Hello and welcome to the show. This is Another Bottle Down. My name is Mark Rayshap and we talk about wine and the wine industry uh, and have guests from all over around the world as well as our community here in Austin, Texas. I really appreciate you tuning in. Today we've got a wonderful episode with Christian Madalena, who is the export manager of Schiopetto in uh, the northeastern part of Italy, Friuli. Uh, but we're going to hear all about that from Christian. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy. Thank you very much, and, and it's my pleasure to be here. My name is Cristian Maddalena. I'm the export director for Schiopetto, and I have the honor to work with this family since nearly 12 years. Uh, this is still a family-owned property located in the northeast of Italy, an historical property, even though it doesn't go back centuries like other noble families or aristocratic families that you find in Tuscany or in Piemonte. Yet this is a winery and a family that made history for itself. Yeah, so um, so we're in, let's kind of first delve into the region and, and then we'll talk about what the family did because it's very famous for its uh, production of Friulano, right? Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah, but but let's, so where exactly is this region that we're, that we're talking about and what are they kind of known for in general? Sure, uh, we're in the radio. If we were somewhere else, I would pull out a map, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure that all of you know that Italy is a peninsula shaped like a boot. At the far north of it, there's a long strip of land that goes from west to the east. The west is bordering with France and Switzerland to its north. The mm. eastern part is bordering to the north with Austria and to the east with former Yugoslavia, today Slovenia. Right. Far, far to the northeast, we find this short of uh, a square-shaped region called Friuli, Venezia, Giulia. Okay. I, I'm, I, I love having the official pronunciation of things. Thank so. you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I try my best. Yeah. And and so then there's, so in Friuli, uh, Venezia, Giulia, it, we, we have some kind of sub-regions, right? Some kind of famous uh, regions that are known for wine production, right? So what are kind of the most famous wines of that area? Absolutely. There are multiple appellations, as they're called in France, or denominazione, as they're called in Italy, in Friuli. The most famous one, I would say there are three of them and they're all located on the eastern part yeah. starting from the northern part you have an area called Colli Orientali meaning the eastern hills yeah. underneath that you have Collio, the hilly site, and right. then you have Carso. Carso is the one to the far south facing directly the seaside and stretching its land nearly into Yugoslavia. We at Schiopetto are based in the Collio, in the heart of the Collio area. Yeah, and, and the wines that, uh, that, that this area is very famous for is, are, are which, which varieties? I don't think that we really know them so very well here, but they're some of the most famous white wines of all of Italy, right? Absolutely. And if you allow me, um, Friuli, and I don't say this out of arrogancy, but just because of the uniqueness of its land, right. Friuli is one part of the world that has a, a, a potentiality of quality production that is unique to itself. Why is that? Any other region in the world usually is focused on a set number of varieties. One, two, three. Let's think of Burgundy with Chardonnay Pinot Noir, uh, Chianti with Sangiovese, Barolo with Barbera and Nebbiolo. In 
Friuli you find a combination both of indigenous variety and native from there, as well as variety that have been introduced, but they have become native as well because they are there since 400 years. Both whites and reds. For the reds, I could name uh, the Merlot, an international variety that we have in the region since 300 years, uh, or uh, for the local variety, Refosco, Schiopettino. For the whites, which are the one from the region is famous uh, for itself, uh, again, you have this combination of indigenous variety like Tokai Friulano, today we have to call it Friulano, right. uh, Malvasia Istriana, Ribolla Gialla, to then go to international or known variety like Savignon, Pinot Grigio, Pinot Bianco. So you have this multiplicity of different varieties that can express high quality. Yeah. Uh, I always try to get folks to, uh, everybody knows Pinot Grigio here, uh, but I think that the Pinot Grigio from Colio or, you know, from Friuli in general is um, maybe a step up from just the general bulk Pinot Grigio that you get in the in the Veneto or, um, you know, do you, do you feel that there's maybe smaller, if you were to paint a picture of the landscape, maybe smaller vineyards and, and higher quality? I, you ask me now a very tricky question. We could speak about that for <laughs> days if you want, (laughs) especially because not a lot of people know Mario Schiopetto was one of the first producers to ever bottle Pinot Grigio 100% in Italy. It was him and a bunch of his colleagues and friends during the 60s that decided to make Pinot Grigio as we know it nowadays, a white, clear, high acidity and mineral white wine. The evolution of this grape in the last 30 years have changed maybe the nature of itself as it became more commercial and with commercial demand, uh, exploitation come, mass production comes and the original area where Pinot Grigio produced quality were abandoned to favor in flatland. Right. The Pinot Grigio on Friuli is typically grown on hilly sites, right. on very complex soil structure with rich mineral uh, uh, content, uh, sandy soil, clay soil structure that gives you a structure, a body, an oiliness, making the wine unique in itself. Yeah. At Schiopetto we have Pinot Grigio that can age even 20 years, certainly demonstrating how much, maybe not a noble grape, can perform a f- high quality standard if worked as such. Right, right. And so that concept concept of hillsides and that's a theme through this show we were we, we, we talk with a lot of winemakers as far as uh, quality vineyards always being more on the hillside instead of kind of the the overproductive valley floor sure um, what's let, let's let's kind of delve more into the varieties because uh, you you mentioned a few but I want to talk about them specifically sure um, you you said with a smile on your face uh, Tokai Friulano what what is Tokai Friulano all about? Beh, Tokai Friulano, I said it with a smile on the face because in theory I'm not allowed anymore to call it Tokai Friulano. Right, I should right. call it Friulano. Right. Yet I don't see any Hungarian spy beside us <laughs> that is hunting me down. So. <laughs> I allow myself to call it Tokai Friulano, its original name, the right. name by which is been known for centuries nowadays, and a grape on which, at least as Chiopetto, we founded our entire history and still were known around the world for that. Yeah. Tokai Friulano is a beautiful variety, uh, most likely indigenous and native from Colli originally. Right. It comes from the great family of the Savignon plants. Actually, in some areas of uh, Friuli, it's called Savignonas or Savignon Vert, the green Savignon. And it's probably a mutation of this uh, clone that came from the Balkans and settled in the Collio area around 400 years to become 
a different kind of vine plant, which is now known as Tocaifulano. It's an aromatic variety, right. uh, beautifully rooted in our history that enjoys our climate. Outside of the border of Collio or Collio Orientali, doesn't perform in the same way. So really showing you like a great Nebbiolo or a Pinot Noir that you can plant it and grow in anywhere, but its hometown, its homegrown area is the one of our region. Is, is of Collio. And I always get... It's one of my favorite white grape varieties uh, in all of Italy, and but but you're right, you cannot find good quality uh, Friulano outside of Friuli and Colio, um, and it makes sense. Why was it? Do you know why it was called uh, Tokai? Uh, originally? But, uh, there are many theories behind that. The most uh, uh, reasonable and acceptable is an historical reason. The region of Friuli is part of Italy only since 1918. It was part of the Austrian-Hungarian Empire. Right. Just hear the name, Austrian-Hungarian. And right. Hungary played a fundamental part, uh, not only in the historical dominance of this empire, but also for the supply of wine to the courts of Wien, as well as the rest of Europe. Yeah. In there, they produced a wine that was called called Tokai, a uh, wine that is sweet, as we know, made from gra grapes that are of Greek origin. In reality, Furmint is one of these, that is pressed multiple times to obtain a very sweet uh, juice. Right. Its value was recognized to be in the wine of emperors, in a sense. In the 17th and 18th century, it was distributed all around the world. Right. In Friuli, an area that was part of this empire, known before mostly to supply red wines to the court of Europe, in particular the Austrian ones, they grew this grape which for whatever reason, in order to differentiate it from the Tokai, sweet wine coming from Hungary, was called Tokai Friulano, the Tokai from Friuli. Mm. And then, of course, if we fast forward to just recently, there was a big argument between uh, the folks of Friuli and the Hungarian folks nowadays, and they said, no, you can't call it Tokai at all. Right? Sure. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about that? I can tell you, but I will keep my Italian passion for myself. Otherwise, okay. uh, I will be a little bit angry about that. Okay, sure. But moreover, I would say this with a smile, but simply because I represent with proudness the work that Mario has done since right. 50 years. And we, his first bottling was ever of Tokai Fulano in 1965. So as you can imagine, for us, it's such an important grape. The debate was more rather than region versus region or country versus country was at the European level. The Hungarians placed a commercial copyright on the term and a long discussion in the European Union, which anyhow, it's a, it's a government above the national ones, sure. uh, was to uh, prevail and give a right to the Hungarians that were faster than the Italian to register these names. Right. I must uh, complain about our Italian uh, maybe attitude in not working with the same uh, promptness as we didn't organize the legal team to support the case against that. So time passed and we were due and supposed to uh, not use the name anymore. And our wines uh, since vintage 2007 are come a label as Friulano. Only Friulano. This is a great cultural loss. Let me say this. At Schiopetto, obviously, people know who we are and what we do and we'll buy our wine without any doubt of what is the name of. Sure. It's a, nevertheless a cultural loss for all those farmers, all those people that invested a lifetime in this name and in this grape that it is our flagship of production and should be around the world. Right. 
Well, I, I, I see it, you know, we have to move on, right? And we have to still be proud of just Friulano. And, and so the grapes haven't changed, right? It was just, it's just kind of the name. Absolutely. And, and I heard a very interesting debate from a sommelier friend uh, down in Hong Kong, which told me that at the end, you should look at on the other perspective. Now we don't need anymore to explain what is the difference with Tokai from Hungary, as it has a name on its own. And right. he has a point. Yes, I th- and I would, I would be in that camp as well. Um, so the, the other, so the red indigenous grape that is kind of, um, you know, very signature of the region is the Rifosco, right? Tell us about that, because I've, I bet many people have not even had Rifosco, and it's wonderful. Absolutely. It's a very unique grape. Rifosco, in this case, is a grape that uh, stretches its production at quality level, not only in the Friuli side, but in the uh, uh, Slovenian side as well. Over there, it's called Rifosco. Culturally speaking, they're made a little bit more tougher style in wine and sometimes with residual sugar content, yet they're evolving as well and catching up in style. Refosco is a great variety that has a high level of tannin uh, and structure, even though it's a medium-bodied variety, not too fruity on the nose, uh, more on the herbaceous side, but then a wine with a kick, I would say, something that can age very well inside the bottle. Often it's ideal to be blended on itself, as the 100% examples can be a little bit harsh and heavy, and its uh, favorite uh, grape to blend with is Merlot. Yeah. So so the Rafosco gives kind of the muscle and the Merlot gives a little of the silkiness. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, um, we, we've kind of mentioned uh, Mario Schiopetto uh, a little bit, but um, let's kind of talk about uh, really what was going on in the 60s and uh, what Mario was doing. Um, was there a lot of, what was the wine industry like then? Was Were there more co-ops? Was there just more bulk wine? Paint us the picture. But uh, let's not forget that we're talking about the 60s. And before speaking about uh, Friuli, let's not forget that in Italy, Chianti was bottled in a flask right. and the Barolo was Chinato. So in those years, uh, we're not uh, at the level of quality production that we have nowadays. Uh, and uh, a few characters emerge as pioneers, uh, as point of reference of a revolution that changed the Italian industry as itself. Mario Schiopetto was a member or a, a, a person who was considered a pioneer. Maybe not a lot of people saw him by then uh, as such, but a person that changed completely the way white wines were made, not only in Friuli, but across Italy as a whole. He didn't come from a winemaking family. This is a uniqueness of many of the other so-known pioneers. Right. Let's uh, quote a few of them. Piero Antinori, uh, Angelo Gaia, Giacomo Bologna from Braida. All these were uh, coming from families producing wine and they evolved and uh, through new technology, new experience, that they changed what uh, was already existing there. Mario created the culture of white wine of Friuli from scratch. He actually invented uh, what it is nowadays, the Friuli style of uh, clean, fresh, high acidity mineral wines. While before, the tradition before him was a very simple one. Everything that was a white grape went in a tank. Everything that was a red grape went in the other tank. So we were mostly (laughs) producing in the 60s and 70s table white and table red wines. 
Mario, with no self-made man, he traveled extensively across Europe, uh, in France, where he learned uh, viticulture, uh, observed viticulture that was practiced in Burgundy, as well as he traveled extensively to Germany, over there inspired by the uniqueness of production of those wines, uh, but mostly using the technology they were using. Mm. He once said a great thing, that to make uh, great wines uh, you need uh, three things, Italian grapes, <laughs> French finesse and German technology, <laughs> which in saying this uh, summarizes very much the philosophy of the property since these last 50 years. Our investment and focus on our indigenous varieties, an inspiration of uh, terroir-driven wines uh, like you have in France, uh, but a technological use and observation to what Germany has made. Germany probably one of the most important countries in the world for white wine production. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's so so you know this was such a, a new thing at the time in Italy and then what has been kind of the growth of the winery uh, since since then is is Mario still present unfortunately Mario is not uh, with yeah. us anymore he yeah. passed away at the beginning of 2003 and I must admit I never had the pleasure to meet uh. him as I started working a year after at the property and uh, for me it's a personal loss uh, but his uh, the value of everything he did uh, his soul it's perceivable in his vineyard and in his cellar nowadays right. uh, the winery today has developed nevertheless uh, on the same scale that was designed by him so since the 80s uh, end of 80s beginning of 90s we didn't enlarge we are more or less the same size right. producing less bottles that we used to do before as our vineyards are coming to an age and you cannot produce in the same way right. so in reality we have not been part of that exponential growth that you have seen in our region and many other in Italy we remain a small family-run property of 35 hectares, 30 of which with vineyards, producing around 250,000 bottles per year. Boutique focus managed by family, focused mainly on the Collio wines, uh, with five uh, mono varieties coming from Collio, and some fun wines which are blends of Collio Orientali vineyards with Collio wines. Okay. Um, wow, so, so to give perspective, though, um, to have a family that has so much history, but still only, you said, 125,000 bottles? 250,000. 250,000. So, so 20,000 20, cases. Exactly. Sorry, American So that's, a, that's, a, that's a, a really small amount of wine to, 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 to be doing, and, and all of the vineyards are yours, right? All that managed directly by us. Uh, uh, we sell today also in nearly 45 countries around the world with 70 importers. So we have a boutique approach in everything that we do, Start Starting from the vineyards, uh, in which Mario already, since the middle of the 70s, discontinued the use of chemicals in production, uh, uh, down to the cellar in which for each parcel uh, we own nearly 57 different micro-crew or micro-vineyards that we ferment separately. We create our own pedicube and we work in a non-solvent environment since 1972. Everything that we do is done uh, with the craftsmanship, with the kind of idea of making small uh, uh, boutique, uh, uh, unique products uh, right. without compromising on anything that is quality. Yeah. And is there, and, and still traditional, I mean, you're not using sulfites or very low sulfites? Absolutely. Uh, we don't use sulfite all through the process of uh, vinification uh, up until the bottling uh, procedure in which a small sulfite at, that can, at the end is required right. in order to stabilize the wine. Right. Nevertheless, everything else is done at the property since the reception of the grapes or even the work in the vineyard. There's no chemical introduction. 
Wow, that's wonderful. Um, and is that kind of the direction that the region is going to, or you are somewhat um, leading the way on a lot of uh, these high-end kind of quality uh, measures, but but do you see other neighbors doing the same thing? We've been trying to lead the way, but uh, saying this not to be leader, but simply because that's the way if you want to produce quality wines. When Mario started this, it were the 70s. Even that was a revolution in a sense. There was yeah. not all this movement of organic, biological, bioeconomic wine. Wines. Mario did it for the purity of his wines on one side, but also the respect of the area where he was working, realizing that more he was working respecting the microclimatic conditions, the terroir of his area, more he was receiving from the area right. to be expressed in his wines. Yeah. Nowadays, we are allowed to use less chemicals than ever, me and my colleagues, because the, the technology helps us in that. Right. Too many times people, when we speak about winemaking, is scared when you hear the term technology. Yet uh, it is now thanks to that, that knowledge that we make these great wines, and it is thanks to that technology, which often means steel tanks, temperature control. I'm not talking about robots working in the vineyard, <laughs> but <laughs> machinery that allows us to control the process of vinification, that allows us at that point to don't, not use chemicals that were used before as a substitution. To yeah, them. yeah. So there are, but uh, and there are wineries that do want to uh, leave behind all technology and, you know, bury the grapes and just see what happens and uh that has its has its moments too but uh if you want consistency and and quality th this is kind of the way to go you raised a very good point <laughs> uh, when you are a producer uh, you're already fighting with the elements of nature which often are stable in themselves so what you try to have it's a coherent approach in respecting what nature has give you but also a coherent approach in express your style right and the style comes also in trying to be constant in the quality of your wine. Often those wines that you described are beautiful craft uh, wines in itself, but they're certainly a, a, a sort of diversion from expressing the terroir where they're from. I would not say, call them exercise of style, but they're wines that have their own reason and following a vision, but is very different from the one that is the history of the area or the land of its origin. Right, absolutely. Well, if you're just tuning in, I'm here with Christian uh, Madalena, uh, from Schiopetto Winery in the Colio area of Friuli, northeastern Italy. And you can check out more information at Schiopetto, S-C-H-I-O-P-E-T-T-O dot I-T. Um, again, thank you. Thank you, Christian, for being here. Um, you know, so we kind of uh, talked about some of the major grapes of the area. Uh, is, are, is the winery trying to do more with single vineyard sites where you're actually uh, showcasing the vineyard or is, is is you know a lot of the crew or the vineyards blended together it's a very interesting question because in reality as Chiopetto we mostly worked with blends since the beginning of our uh, our career even though Mario was known to be the first one to ever bottle mono varieties and label it such in Friuli right. at the beginning the first 20 years of his career were to continue the approach 
Moses. Why? He didn't own that land. He didn't was not born in that land. He invented himself as a vigneron. So for him to bottle uh, smaller batches of wine was a way also to self-teach himself. Mm. Nevertheless, from the 80s onwards, the experience gathered in those 20 years allowed them to start blending the wines, even when they were the same varieties, to have a single label expressing multiple different uh, micro parcel, micro vineyard in itself. Right. So to give you an example, which is probably the best one I can give you, our Friulano is a blend of 15 different vineyards, all treated separately under a viticultural point of view, right. located in two different, three different communes, so with different altitude, different soil, all fermented separately and spending time in their own tank, all codified tanks so that we see the evolution of those wines before being blended to make a single product. So we continue that process of working individually, parcel by parcel, for a self-teaching uh, kind of uh, point of view. But uh, the, we believe very much in blend and blending the multiple expression of our own terroir. Yeah. For us, uh, it's still at early stage to speak about cru in the area of uh, Friuli, as we are producing quality wine since 50 years. And to speak about cru in Barolo, that production happened 100 years. If we go to Burgundy centuries, that they do work that way. Right, right, right. Um, well, I, I I always think that it you know I'm a big proponent of education and that the the, the more information for the public is is uh, is going to be advantageous. But we, we are not there yet. Folks still need to learn what uh, Friulano is Very before much. we start talking about the various crew. Right? One thing we have done, nevertheless, uh, with our 50th anniversary, not going against this concept, but to praise the work that Mario has done, we bottled 100% a Friulano single vineyard, which was the vineyard where he started in 1965. It's a 74-years-old vineyard, which also had some small interplantation of Riesling, authorized by then, and it was the knowledge of farmers to use different grapes in the same vineyard, and we bottled it 100% dedicated to him on the 50th anniversary on the wine. Oh, That's probably cool. the only crew wine that we have produced at this date in our career. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, so we talked about Tokai Friulano. Um, have to call it Friulano. Um, but uh, so you, you mentioned Sauvignon Blanc. So uh, or or Sauvignon, right? Exact Sauvignon. We label it as such a Sauvignon, but obviously it's uh, our cousin of the Sauvignon Blanc coming from France. Uh, our clones in the area mostly are of Bordeaux origin. Yet at Chiopetto we planted in the seventies some clones of Sauvignon from Le Loire. So we also play in clonal selection. But it's a grape Sauvignon that is in our region since 350, 400 years. Right. So even in this case, if we cannot call it indigenous, we could call it native in a sense. For right, itself. right. Wonderful. And, and how does it, you know, folks have never had a Sauvignon, Sauvignon from Friuli. What, what kind of are the flavor profiles? Right, it's a very unique and different Sauvignon. Let's uh, first maybe describe how are the Sauvignon's general representation, which are the two opposite, a French Sauvignon from Le Loire or a Sauvignon from New Zealand. Uh, the French usually is characterized by freshness, minerality, uh, flinty, aromatic, right, right. light in its uh, structure, but then with a long length on the palate. Right. Sauvignons, even of great quality from New Zealand, are often a bit more rich, more intense, 
not only fruity driven, but certainly more opulent in various of their characteristics, sometimes lacking a little bit of acidity. Here in the Italian expression of Sauvignon, we have a, a, a sort of middle ground, I mm. would say. In Friuli, we have a Mediterranean climate. So certainly our Sauvignons are very rich on the nose, often expressing more a new world, if you allow me, character, even though then characterized by a Mediterranean touch with some minty, basil, tomato leaf aromatics on the nose. It is the palate that plays the very big difference because it reminds you to a French Sauvignon through its minerality, but usually it's a little bit more medium to full body, oily in its content. Uh, its minerality is more uh, 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 opulent, I would say, and captivating in your palate. It's quite a rich, I would say, white wine, often ideally paired much more with meat, white meat, uh, something creamy, something rich. Right, right, right. It's wonderful. I love I love Sauvignon from this area. Uh, and then another thing that, that is another white grape that is, I think, uh, turning a lot of heads right now and, and gaining in popularity is the Malvasia. Um, and it's a particular clone of Malvasia, or it's its own separate variety, right? It's its own separate variety. Right. Exactly, exactly. But um, so describe what, what Malvasia you have grown in your area and how it's kind of different from other Malvasia around Italy. But interesting that we spoke about Friulano, which certainly it's a grape that uh, finds its ideal production in Collio, as it does Malvasia. Well, before the Sauvignon, uh, let's uh, draw the attention to your... The people that are listening to us is more ideally grown in Colli Orientali, in the northern part of Friuli. Going back to Malvasia, Malvasia, it's a mm, vine on itself, it's a grape on its own. In fact, it's called Malvasia Istriana, the Malvasia from Istria. Not to be confused with Malvasia from the south of Italy, which is from Lipari often and associated with Muscadel from Spain, or Malvasia in Tuscany that makes sweet wines once again and is Musca. Muscat from France, therefore sweet-based varieties. Malvasia Istriana is a very dry variety, intense in its aromatics, often uh, uh, flowery in some ways, depending on the vintage, the flowers could be sweet, like peach or apricot or more field flowers. Then having a little bit of a nutty aftertaste to it, so on the dry side, a medium to light body, but then a long persistent uh, mineral content. At Schiopetto, we have the oldest uh, vineyard of uh, planted in the entire Collio that we bottle 100%. Wow. It's actually a 42 years old vineyard uh, that uh, we bottled again 100% for the 50th anniversary and was the first time since 1998. Wow, wonderful. And um, what, what other whites are we forgetting? Do we, do we kind of talk we about produce, all the... Uh, obviously, we mentioned the Pinot Grigio, oh, Pinot too many Grigio, times yeah. forgotten because <laughs> put in the back, uh, back memory of people, as we talked before about the grape being commercial, right. and Pinot Bianco, 100% Pinot Bianco, Pinot Bianco from Collio. Yeah. But though also, as I said before, making some blended wines, one is Blanc de Roses, which we make since 1984. Going back to the idea of Mario Schiopetto that the tradition of the region was blending. Right. In this case, not only single variety from multiple vineyards, but also multiple varieties for themselves. And we were one of the first ones during the early 80s to start that approach. Right. This wine is called Blanc des Roses, the white from flowers, and is a blend of Tokai Fiulano, Pinot Grigio, Sauvignon, 
Pino Bianco and according on the vintage a little bit of ribola gialla. So it's not a field blend as everything is kept separately and slightly blended differently according on the year but it tells you a little bit more the story of the entire collio through its land and its varieties. Right. The, and, and these uh, blends from Friuli are some of the most acclaimed white wines in all of Italy and almost these super uh, Friuli wines that, that, that are, have gained a lot of attention. Yes, more than one journalist referred to this wine as super whites. Uh, yeah. This is probably a term that is not really appropriate, but certainly it's a straightforward message to a consumer to understand uh, what does this mean. Right. Often these wines are mostly based on uh, indigenous variety, maybe blended with a little bit of Chardonnay sometimes, which again can be found since many years in our area, and often wines destined to great ageability and are more rich in its structure. Let's not forget, nevertheless, that even our mono varieties can age extremely well. Right. Fulano is a grape that uh, by genetical structure can age 20-30 years on its own. At Schiopetto we have a museum stock uh, 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 vintage hold of our wines uh, uh, being able to offer you Fulano or Pinot Bianco back to the 70s and 80s all in perfect conditions. Well I might ask for the key to the cellar and give me a weekend. <laughs> um, uh, wonderful and and uh, and again, these wines are so underrepresented in the United States that that I think that um, you know the they 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 have yet to really see a, a, a wide popularity. You're right, and this probably is one reason uh, going back to what we were saying at the beginning for the dominance of consumption towards a single grape like Pinot Grigio. So more and more people were attracted by this grape, and more and more examples of this grape commercial quality were sold here forgetting the identity and the uniqueness of production that a region like this can do certainly stylistically these are what I call very various very European style wine right therefore well represented across Europe and in your country often you find them more on the East Coast where if you look at statistics there's a more European kind of style of consumption right I think Austin out of Texas is the more European kind of Absolutely, city for yeah. consumption so sure. I hope that more and more our wines will be present here and yeah in your glasses absolutely and you know one of the other things is that that uh, when folks go from you know Texas to go visit Italy, they're often not going to Friuli, um, and you know they're going to Tuscany or they're going to Piedmont, uh, and and that sense of tourism where folks go and they they get turned on to these wines and then they search for them at home, you know that way it's it's a little untrodden uh, in Friuli. A am I right, or is you, that is that growing? As, as it is growing, but certainly is not growing at the pace we would like because it is true to understand better an area is to to visit it to live sure. that lifestyle to experience that kind of culture. And Friuli sometimes is a little bit outside of the usual track. As you said, tourist trips uh, for wine or culinary are often focusing on Tuscany, maybe Piemonte, maybe Veneto in that. Beyond that, there's very few regions that benefit from a touristic attraction. Right. Friuli in this is beautiful, first of all, because it's an hour and a half east of Venice. So you, we're not far away from beautiful cities and we have our own. Right. But secondly, it is considered also in Italy a culinary 
capital of uh, high level of restaurants uh, expressing a unique culture of blend of Eastern culture, Slavic culture with Germanic and Italian one, all blended together, supported by these uh, unique wines. Right. So it is a place where you can benefit not only from the culture of food and wines, uh, not far from the seaside, you can have multiple experiences that are very different from the one of Tuscany or Piemonte. Absolutely. Each region has its own charm. What What is the local cuisine uh, like and, and are there any pairings that you think are just divine? But, uh, if you're talking about Friulano, one of the stable production in the area is the white asparagus. Ah. So a risotto with white asparagus, pasta with white asparagus would be a perfect pairing. Which with is in season right now, probably. Exactly, right it's now. in season yeah. right now. On the other side, there's certainly so near to the seaside there are various uh, dishes based with fish yeah. and uh, according to the structure of the wine uh, you can go from a light structure wine like a Pinot Grigio so you will have a simple white based fish uh, cooked in salt uh, down to something like shellfish which is absolutely a typical kind of stable dish from the area that will be paired with more structured wines like a Pinot Bianco or a Sauvignon yeah and then w- and then the reds too I mean you know with Rifosco having a big you know tannic structure what 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 are there meat dishes as well absolutely I mean he, over there you have deer and wild boar meat that are quite popular but I wanted to give you a touch of uh, our unique culture yeah. how much is mixed one of the typical uh, meat based dishes from the area is goulash something that you associate more with Eastern European countries right. and now you can feel how much is a melting pot of culture our region which would be a perfect dish to pair with a glass of Refosco. Right, absolutely. Um, are, are you from that area, Christian? I mean, so you started working at the winery in 2004? End of 2004. Are, are you from that area? No, no I'm not from, from there. But you're drawn to that. Where are you from originally? I'm from Florence. Florence, yeah. okay. Well, you've left like the, you know, one of the touristic capitals of the world to go, uh, you know, to this, um, this melting pot, right? Y- yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh, I, in some ways, I feel, uh, I don't feel like a foreigner but some ways I'm considered like a foreigner but in reality this is the classical attitude from the region being a bordering region there's always be this sense of multiple people passing by from right. different kind of areas nevertheless uh, the population there and the family over all these years have made me feel uh, like at home I asked if they would adopt me but they never replied <laughs> I would see <laughs> Oh, well, um, I've been asking Italian wineries all over Italy if they would adopt me, and <laughs> nobody's said yes yet. <laughs> we'll keep on trying. Um, what What do you see in store for, for the winery, um, for Schiopetto? Uh, is there, and they're all, already quite famous in terms of this uh, region and in terms of Colio, are they, is there any plans to kind of do things differently or is it just uh, focused on making high quality wine every year? Our focus is to continue the footsteps that Mario has set for ourselves. Not follow them blindly but obviously adapt ourselves to a changing world but continue that path, that is for sure. So what are the projects for the future? The future is even more uh, try to be an ambassador. An iconic producer is not the right term because we should not speak about ourselves this way, but to be an ambassador of our culture here and around the world. Every year we're expanding a little bit our presence in different countries. Only recently I have started exporting to Cambodia, to Indonesia, to Colombia, to faraway places where our wines are appreciated for our quality beyond the 
their origin on Beyond the Grape. The next stage to be achieved is to make them understand where the, we're coming from and the uniqueness of our grapes. And more we do that work, more we're bringing these people back by hand, virtually speaking, to our region. Therefore, we're benefiting our local culture. This is probably our hope for the future, to continue that path. And now that more producers, there's not only us, are quality-driven, to work more closely with them, to create a cluster, as we see in other regions, to be representative as a group and not only individually thriving for ourselves as often Italians do. How many, about how many producers are there in, in the region of Colio? Beh, I would reply professionally because I could give you a personal reply, but uh, <laughs> nevertheless, certainly today there are many producers. It's an area that under an hectare point of view, you're speaking about 6,000 hectares uh, to it. Uh, the area as well is bordering between Colorentali, Isonzo, which is another appellation, and not far from there, there is Grave, which is the area where they produce more everyday style wines. Right. So... Our is quite a constricted area, nevertheless characterized by many producers, uh, small family-oriented properties beyond a few big names uh, that are subdivided in their terroirs. So I say that probably in the future there should be a more rational distribution of the production there in order to create more this cluster and pool of producers that can bring forward the, our quality abroad. Right, that's almost a, you know, we think of that as just being wonderful that there's so many family producers and whatnot, but it can be a difficulty to overcome because there's not a, a you know, when there's no big player to kind of do be the ambassador, and, and I like that you call, you know, your position as being an ambassador to kind of uh, talk about the region and, and so that everybody can benefit from that. Sure, um, a division among producers in, in a case like this, in a region that is early in its history, can create confusion towards the market. Yeah. That's the yeah. only issue. So it's important for ourselves. And Mario was a great leader in teaching this. In his vineyard, in his cellar, many of the great names of today have passed by. I don't quote any of them as it would be unprofessional to do so, but Mario was a father figure for so many of them. During our 50th anniversary dinner, somebody... A producer, again, I don't mention the name out of respect, said a beautiful thing about Maris Chiupetto, that in Friuli there was a time before and after Maris Chiupetto. He was really a leader in that self because he created the grounds for all other producers to come later on, not to imitate him, but to create great wines as he did. Well, that's a great place to end. Uh, thank you so much to Christian Madalena uh, from Schiopetto in northern Italy in the Colio region uh, of Friuli Venezia Giulia. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, you can find more information at schiopetto.it. Um, really beautiful website. And of course, go to koop.org for all information on the show. And I, of course, will post some uh, pieces of the blog. So thank you, uh, Christian, and good luck in all of your, uh, your travels. Thank you very much for having me here. And uh, thank you, Austin. Well, that does it for us today. Huge thank you to Christian Madalena and the Schiopetto wine lineup, and as well as Jackie Grinelli from Dionysus Imports here in Austin, Texas. Uh, that'll do us. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or wherever get you get your podcasts, and like us and follow us on social media. Until next time, we'll see you next week, folks.